the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your co-host, Mike Calabrese, joined as always by Mike Ionello. And a reminder to our audience, you can follow us over at the Action app. Just type in BBOCG5 Deep Dive to follow all of our picks, which have been scorching hot. Coming off a 6-1 and week last week, our second clean sweep of the G5 High Five Round Robin in the last three weeks. And I have to say, this is probably my favorite episode of the whole year because I get all the positivity of how well we have been picking But also, I get to finally, for the very first time in two years, put a team in gambling jail. They are banned. Kent State is not getting our action anymore. I've had it with this coaching staff. Sean Lewis, you're dead to me. Souter, you're dead to me. They're up 21-0 as our underdog money line parlay. 21-0 against Toledo. And they get outscored 52-10 to the rest of the way. I mean, what exactly does their defense do in practice? It's like, all right, you know, time for team defensive drills. Let's go play pickup basketball. I hate this team. I am like full Mark Wahlberg from The Departed level angry for any interaction Kent State related. Because, you know, I look at our picks last week and go six and one. We're the guys doing our job. You must be the other guys. That's Kent State. That's the level of the Golden Flashes. I'm done with them. First team in gambling prison here on the G5 Deep Dive. Can I talk to you for a second, please? It had to be done. It had to be done. And I'm so glad to hear you say it. Because look, I didn't want to have to enact the ban on you. So I'm glad you took the kind of brilliant did it yourself. I was looking through the games this week. And I literally had a thought to myself when I was looking. And I said, if this son of a bitch is going to lay eight, 18 against Akron with them again, I am I am leaving the pod. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're taking accountability. And I mean, granted, you know they're going to beat Akron by 40 this week, just, just to prove a point. But it had to be done. They're officially in timeout. All right. Time for even more good feelings, which is our G5 hero segment of the week. I'm going with Kyle Van Treese. That beautiful bastard, 578 passing yards, four TDs, an outright upset of James Madison. I brought up on the pod last week. I said, is James Madison any good? Do we know? Just based on all the opponents that they played, they played one really strong half of football against a quality opponent that was App State in their second half comeback. Other than that, they've kind of been a paper tiger, and Georgia Southern was happy to expose them. This kid is just one of the best stories going in G5 lands. A A middling career at Buffalo, And now he's playing his way into, I don't know, what, a CFL contract? He's throwing the ball all over the yard. And he finally has a chance to be the best athlete in the Vantrese family. He's coming up on his mother, Patty Vantrese. She swam at Bowling Green. 
really good swimmer there. Go Falcons. Um, you and deep make, for this one. <laughs> I certainly did. The kid deserves it. It's going to make for a really interesting Thanksgiving this year at the Van Trees household. Love the story going on in Statesboro. I think it's um, it's a feel-good story all around. Clay Helton, you know, notable good guy, notable not-so-good coach. Well, apparently now he, he's bringing this program around. They're going to be on the cusp of bowl eligibility this season. So love what Georgia Southern is doing. Who's your G5 hero from Week 7? I'm going with another transfer quarterback. I'm going with John Reese Plumley. Monster game. And I know it's Temple, but they drummed them. Four passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, seven touchdowns. He outscored every single team in the conference by himself last week. Oh, and by the way, he came out of the game midway through the third quarter. He played just nine series, and UCF scored a touchdown on eight of them. Seven of them were his. Monster performance. And look, I know Cincinnati and Tulane are both ranked. I still think UCF is winning this conference. I bet him for preseason. I still think that. I don't know if you've changed your opinion on it or you agree with me. Since he's got a tough game at SMU this week, and then since he goes to the bounce house next week, which will likely decide who's you know who gets the top seed, I'm still thinking UCF wins this conference. I'm with you on that. Honestly, if they had one of two touchdowns not called back against Louisville, they'd be undefeated. They'd probably be top 15 for sure at this point, and John Rice Palmley would be getting that Heisman buzz. And I'll add one more thing. There's usual situational spots where you don't need to look at any metrics. Like, you know, if a team's live animal mascot dies, do not bet against them that, that following Saturday. Don't bet on them. When, yeah, yeah, bet on them. UCF, when they wear the space outfits, you got to That's a hammer play on UCF. So shame on us for not going, you know, backing up the Brinks truck on UCF last week. I, I think it was a little bit early in the week before we realized that they were playing with the, the space unis. Um, let's just hop right into best bets. Let's keep the good feelings going. I'm going to stay in the AAC. I like Cincinnati laying three at SMU, and I'm not going to do a deep dive, as our podcast title would say, on this game. I'm going to keep it very simple and high level. Tanner Mordecai shreds bad passing defenses, as he did last week against Navy. But when he plays, quote-unquote, good defenses, let's go back the last four games dating back to last year. TCU this year, two touchdowns, but two picks. They end up not winning that game against UCF, uh, zero touchdowns and interception. You go back to last season against Tulsa and Joe Gillespie coach defense, one touchdown, two INTs. And when they played Cincy last year, he went 15 for 26 for, wait for it, 66 passing yards. So this is a Cincinnati defense. I understand that Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant are gone. and It's not the same cast of characters. But in terms of what I believe in the most in the AAC, it's the Cincinnati defense. I believe they'll get it done. I think they can scheme to put a lot of pressure on them in this game. And if SMU is not killing it through the air, they're not covering this number of three. So I'm not scared away as you know a road favorite at this key number of three. I'm going to go ahead and play the Bearcats. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is... Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk. All right, how about your best bet here in week eight? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I've kind of mentioned this a couple times throughout the year. I think Troy's the best team in this division. I've said it all year. I'm taking Troy plus three against South Alabama. I love what Kane Womack's done. I think South Alabama's good. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago as well. But like I said, I've said Troy's the best team, so I'm taking him here, especially as a dog. Uh, we both agreed. The winner of this game wins the West, correct? 
Yes, I, okay. I, I think it's absolutely locked up. It's really just a, a two-team race out yeah, there. It's, this is the game. South Alabama's 5-1. and one. They're only lost to UCLA, but and they already beat Louisiana on the road, which is nice. But Troy's 5-2. and two. They're only lost to Ole Miss and that App State on that Hail Mary. Um, but they covered in both of those games. They're 4-0 against the spread as an underdog this year. Gunnar Watson's third in the league in passing, but he has struggled with turnovers. And he left last week's game hurt. I think that's a good thing because Jared Dagey has been mixing in more and more each week. And honestly, he looks better. I think this is Jake Dagey's job eventually, if not for this game. I think it's one of those things where even if Watson's if Watson's 99%, they're holding him out because they want Dagey to play. Um, they have good receivers. Tez Johnson's a freak on the outside. They've been running the ball a lot better over the last couple of games. That's an area they've started with over the last two years, but they have been doing that a lot better the last three or four weeks, which I like. And I just love this Troy defense. They were top 25 in the country against the past last season. They're top 30 again this year. We talked about Carlton Marshall all the time. He's 40 tackles away from breaking the all-time record. He's one of the best linebackers in the entire country, not just G5. He is so good. And this defense is just elite at preventing big plays, which is something Alabama, South Alabama really relies on, especially running the ball. They're 35th in explosiveness, but they're 105th in success rate. So that tells me they don't move the ball well, but they just pick up big plays here and there. Well, Troy does not allow that. So I don't think South Alabama is going to be able to run the ball very well. And I just like their defense. I like Carter Bradley too, but I think this is a coin flip game. I think Troy is the better team and I'll definitely take the three points. I love the Trojans there. We talked about it ad nauseum in August. We had the, probably the longest G5 preview was the Sun Belt. And it was a team we were high on and they've absolutely backed it up. They've gotten more out of their offense. They need to take that next step. And whichever quarterback ends up going, they're certainly better than their offense from last year. And I agree. I think their run defense is going to be able to win the day here. They just got to protect the football. All right. We will head to the G5 High Five, which is our round robin segment. As I mentioned at the top, we've been cooking in this department, clean sweeps into the last three weeks. So I'm going to get it started and hopefully keep the positive mojo going. This is a team and a play you're probably going to like. Boise State traveling to play against Air Force. Air Force is a short favorite, laying three. Yes, Boise is 3-0 and in Mountain West Conference play, but those wins are over New Mexico, San Diego State. I know how you feel personally about their offense, and a Jake Hainer-less Fresno State squad. It, for my money, the best unit on the field in this game is the Air Force offense. They're first in rushing rate, but seventh in rushing success. And interestingly, they're first in passing explosiveness in the entire country. When Hazik Daniels tries to get behind the defense with a throw, he's averaging 10 yards per attempt. Now, obviously, when you look at the stats, Boise, very good against the run. But for my money, they've only really played one solid rushing team this year, and it was the opener against Oregon State. They gave up 178 yards, nearly five yards per carry, and two rushing touchdowns. I think Air Force calls it back to last year. They won on the Smurf turf one by seven last year. I think they can get it done at home here. I understand that they're two and two in Mountain West conference play, and it may look like this is the time to, to hop on the Boise wagon, but not for me. I still think their offense is a pop gun offense. I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. So I'll go with the Falcons. What are your thoughts on this critical game in Mountain West play? This is interesting. We'll talk about my feelings on this game a little later on. You know, I know the both of us were talking about how difficult it is to bet on sports in October. There, there's so few sports to, to really get into. So are you familiar that the NBA is back and that you can bet on it? Didn't know that. 
Well, the new and improved Buckets podcast from the Action Network will be releasing every weekday throughout the entire season. So you can get all of your action. Make sure you get all of those weekday fixes, at least until Maction hits the map. So make sure to listen in to the Buckets podcast every weekday. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! <laughs> well, you have three picks here. You're doing the heavy lifting for the G5 High Five in week eight. So let's get it started. Why don't you go back to back? Give, give me two. I'm going back to the well. I'm going back to an Old Dominion over paired with your G5 Hero of the Week. Look, you know I love my boy, Hayden Wolf, Wolfpack. Two touchdowns last week against Coastal. Obviously, one of them went to Ollie Jennings, who's a freak. But the most important thing we saw last week was the return to full strength breakout, what we saw last year, Blake Watson. 260 yards and three touchdowns down the ground on 19 carries. He averaged 13.6 yards per carry against Coastal Carolina. Georgia Southern, they're 103rd in success rate on defense. They have been torched against the run, and they're really bad against the pass, too. So we, I think they're, you know, Old Dominion should be able to put up points on Georgia Southern. Everyone has James Madison in that loss put up 675 yards against them. So they allowed 485 yards passing per game this year. They're allowing more than six yards per play. But as you mentioned, this offense is nasty. Kyle Van Trees is cooking. They are super explosive. They throw the ball all over the place. We just saw Coastal Carolina torch Old Dominion through the air, which isn't even Coastal strength. These two teams are top 20 in the country in success rate, or top 20 in the country in seconds per play. They both play super fast. They both throw the ball a ton, and both their defenses stink. So give me the over. It, it does seem simple. What's next on the menu for week eight? Minor Nation picks up. I'm taking UTEP plus four. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. FAU managed to beat Rice 17-14 to ruin my Moneyline dog after trailing 14-0. I still don't think this team's very good. UTEP's the better team. And it just comes down to one key thing. Gavin Harrison needs to protect the football. That, that's all it, it comes down to. In the minors, four losses, he has eight interceptions, and the team has 13 turnovers. In their three wins, he has no interceptions, and they have just three total turnovers. They've been running the ball really well over the last few weeks. They're averaging 210 yards per game on the ground, and this FAU team can't stop the run. They haven't all season, and they're even worse against the pass. Their, average, their defense is 110th in the country, and every single time a team gets in a scoring position, they put up points on FAU. UTEP is home. They're at the Sun Bowl, where Hardison has yet to throw an interception this year. They're coming off a bye, and they're catching four points. So, again, it sounds super easy, right? You protect the football, UTEP wins this game. So, I'll take the plus four and just pray to God Hardison doesn't throw a pick <laughs> or three. Yeah, I was surprised once you started breaking that game down. I assumed it had to be in South Florida. But the fact that you get him at the Sun Bowl, I think that's jam-packed with value. And for he's, a team he's, that has he's played very so well at home, home the last two years. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. I'll, I'll target an under here. Memphis at Tulane. Shockingly, Memphis now, or so, excuse me, Tulane in the top 25, which is one of the best stories going in college football. They still have that upset over K-State, which gets better looking by the week. 56 and a half just seems a little bit inflated, in my opinion. Tulane's still a run-heavy team, and they've been relying more and more on Tajay Spears in conference play. In his last four games, he's averaging 18 carries per game, and they're running into a Memphis defense that, what do they do well? They stop the run. They're the 27th-ranked run D in the entire country. And on the other side of things, 
Memphis has been good, but not great offensively, and they haven't been as explosive without Calvin Austin the third. This Tulane pass defense simply doesn't give up big plays. When I look at that and the potential for high winds at Yeoman Stadium on Saturday afternoon in New Orleans, if it gets above 15 miles an hour, this becomes a major play for me. I'm going to go ahead and play the under here. Tulane also, in terms of streaks, for the last five unders have cashed for the green wave. So all of those things, in my opinion, are trending under. I know that a lot of people don't put much stock in key numbers for totals. But the fact that it's sitting at a touchdown number here at 56 and a half and you, you get the, the key number to go under on, I think that's just a little added bonus. What are your thoughts on this Memphis Tulane matchup? Yeah, the, it, I actually don't hate it. Um, I'm writing this game up for Action Network uh, and I have not decided yet what I was going to take. I was leaning towards Tulane laying the points, but I actually like the under now that you're talking about it because you mentioned this Tulane defense is nasty. I think the Tulane defense is the best unit on the field. And as you mentioned, I was I was digging into Memphis a lot last night and they're, they were really bad against the run and pass last year, but their run defense has been much, much better this year. They still suck against the pass, which is the only thing that would make me nervous, is we've seen, I think I think Pratt has set career highs passing in back-to-back weeks. So the only way you run into trouble here is if they just you know lean on Pratt and just he cooks the secondary. But I agree with you. If, if Tulane sticks to their script of running the ball and you know, I just Memphis offense has just not looked right without Calvin Austin. So I don't I don't hate it at all. All right, how about the last one for the G5 high five? Yeah, I'm going to flip the script. I'm going back to an over. Kind of a gross over. This is one of those ones where I love it, and I don't even know why. Like Even digging into numbers, I'm like, I don't know. It's just a gut. I just like it. It's gross. I'm taking the Rice-Louisiana Tech over 57 and a half. Uh, LaTeX defense stinks. They're 102nd in success rate, 121st in defending explosiveness. Rice's defense also stinks. They're 114th in success rate, 90th in explosiveness. And while neither offense necessarily has great numbers, Louisiana Tech's played a brutal schedule. They played like two SEC teams, and they put up over 500 yards against North Texas last week. Um, so they finally started to get going, get going. And Rice didn't do much on FAU. Obviously, they only put up 14 points. But they averaged over five yards per play. It was a weird game. They threw three interceptions, so it kind of got away from them. Both these teams are like sneaky explosive. They're not, they don't move the ball well, but they both can pick up big plays. And both these defenses are really bad. I'm not sure why I like it. It's just kind of a gut play, and I didn't really like anything else. So I like over 57 and a half. I think both these defenses are bad, and both of them can score. In fact, we have two rice plays in back to back weeks. Talk about a team that was, you know, flying for the Owls under the radar there for a while in regards to our podcast. I like that they're getting a little bit of shine here. I have no thoughts on that game. That, that's one of the first in this <laughs> season. I have absolutely nothing to say. They Neither do team, I. <laughs> yeah. They're teams I haven't, I, I thought for sure you were going to go back to well with North Texas and try to set a podcast record for <laughs> mean green plays, but there's still time left in the season. We can get into it. All right. Before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, 
New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. And now for the least profitable portion of our program, the Moneyline Underdog Parlay, digging deeper I think what we've hit like two of these outright just on, on their own singularly the whole season. But because of that, I'm trying to do a little freaky Friday role reversal. I'm going to go with Ionello's tactics, I should say, which is going for the shortest dog. I'm going to go UAB plus 115. But before I get into it, I've been on pins and needles since I brought it up during the G5 high five segments. Are you on Boise State money line this week? Yeah, Boise State, I had it written down as my money line underdog. Um, we don't talk about these ahead of time to try to keep our get our honest reactions. They're two and oh since they fired offensive coordinator Tim Plow, scoring 35 and 40 Ooh. points. They did it against San Diego State and Fresno State. Those are those are two of the better defenses in the Mountain West. And they're 17th in the country in rushing success. They're ninth in the nation, letting teams average just 2.9 per place. I think, I think they can handle this Air Force rushing attack. Air Force has already lost games to Wyoming and Utah State, who both stink. So I don't think Utah or Air Force is as good as we necessarily thought they were. And the Broncos are coming off a bye. They have extra time to prepare for the triple option. But most importantly is we never win this pick. We never win our money line dog. And I bet Air Force to win the Mountain West. So this is a perfect hedge of either we finally hit a money line dog or my Air Force future is in great spot. All right, so this one's unofficial. So what is your official Moneyline underdog play? Of For my official play, I'm doubling down. I'm taking UTEP Moneyline. As I mentioned, I think this game, I think UTEP is the better team here. I think it all, all comes down to can Gavin Hardison protect the football. He has yet to throw an interception at home all season. When he doesn't throw interceptions, they win. There's 3-0 when he hasn't thrown a pick. And I like what they've been doing in the running game. You know, I just think I don't trust FAU defensively at all. And we've seen UTEP step up big and have big defensive performances here and there. So I think this is a, they're one of those high-variance teams given Hardison's issues where he's a good quarterback that turns the ball over. So I think if he protects the football, UTEP wins this game at home. So I will double down. I'll take him plus four in the high five, and I will take them plus 150 on the money line. For the love of God, Protect the football. I'm going to take a Conference USA battle between two likely bowl teams on Friday night, 8 p.m. kickoff on CBS Sportsnet. UAB traveling to Western Kentucky. And the game within the game is pretty simple. 
Western Kentucky wants to pass the ball a ton. They've, you know, kept that Bailey Zappi energy going into the Austin Reed era. They got Daywood Davis. They got Corley in the perimeter. They've been able to throw it all over the yard. But this UAB pass defense is elite. And they got a perfect warm-up last week against Charlotte and Chris Reynolds. Even though Charlotte was able, able to cover the number for our podcast, he was not able to do much through the air. They have the fifth best passing defense in terms of yards per attempt allowed in the entire country. I think they're going to ground this Hilltopper pass attack. And when they have the ball, there's no better wagon to hit yourself to than Dwayne McBride. This running game in general, it's not just McBride. They're fifth nationally, 5.7 yards per carry. That's ninth best in the entire country. I think they're going to run through this Western Kentucky defense. That's actually been pretty good. I think that was the element when we looked in the offseason, we figured that their offense would take a minor step back, but their defense could never elevate into, you know, the 50s or 60s in the important defensive metrics. But they've been able to do it thus far. I just think it's a different animal in this game trying to bottle up Dwayne McBride. They're not going to be able to get it done. So I'll take UAB plus 115. And when you put our two money line plays together, that's plus 445 at BetMGM. Oh, yeah. Does McBride, he leads the country in rushing at this point, right? I think he's had over 100 yards in every single game. He is a absolute freak. Yeah, it's basically him and Chase Brown from Illinois going back and forth uh, throughout the season. Yeah, his lowest output output for McBride was 120 yards, and oh, that's because he only had 12 carries against Middle Tennessee. He averaged 10 yards a carry in that game. That was his that was his worst performance, <laughs> yardage wise. All right, and now for a quick rundown on all of our picks for best bets. I like Cincy laying three at SMU. I know it was on Troy plus three for a G5 high five. I like Air Force laying a field goal against Boise. Under in the Memphis Tulane game, that total sitting at 56 and a half. Ionello likes over 65 and a half between Georgia Southern and Old Dominion. UTEP plus four and the over in the Rice La Tech game, which is sitting at 58 as a publication. And as for our money line underdog play, I like UAB plus 115 and Ionello's double dipping on Minor Nation, UTEP plus 150 on the money line. That parlay together pays plus 445 over at BetMGM. All right, now for our bonus segment here, which has been very profitable for the last month, so we got to keep it going. Any games that were on the cutting room floor for you in week eight? You know, I don't want to say I considered it, but I did see Colin Wilson come through the app with a Bowling Green plus seven at Central Michigan. And I'll be honest, it piqued my interest, and I don't hate it at all. But if you thought I was going to talk, say anything nice about Matt McDonald on this podcast, you're out of your mind. But I don't hate Bowling Green plus seven. Well, I'll tee up for a player that you can say something nice, you can say something bad, because you never know who this quarterback is going to be when he takes the field. Feels trappy because UCF is playing so well. They're laying five in Greenville against East Carolina, um, referring to Holden Aylers. Are we going to get the good Aylers? Are we going to get the bad Aylers? What does your gut say at this point going into kind of a critical game for UCF to make sure that they keep pace in a dynamic AAC race? Yeah, it's it's probably a stay away from me. Um, like I said, I'm I'm just so high in UCF, and I do love Aylers, but he just he's he's hard to trust. Honestly, I, I wouldn't hate the under in that game. UCF's been so explosive, but the CCU defense has looked better. They've actually been pretty good against the run, which is not usually their forte. So you know maybe they force Plumley to throw more than he's comfortable with, although he has done that well. Um, maybe an under, just you know, but I don't I don't love it. All right, for Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus 
podcast banner brought to you by BetMGM. A reminder to our listeners that Colin and Stucky will be back on Thursday, breaking down the full FBS slate. All 130 teams are featured there. So no stone. 131, 131. Don't you disrespect James Madison. There's 131 teams. That's true. I, I always want to say 133 because, you know, when does Sam Houston State get in the mix? You know, th- there's some teams bubbling up and they have transition years i'll get it figured out i I do have a map in my office but it is the 2020 season so 130 so i appreciate the call out there and of course on saturday we have our big bets on campus live show that's brett mcmurphy colin stuckey breaking down everything that you need to know to make it a profitable saturday so enjoy week eight and hopefully we can keep the good times rolling here on the big bets on campus podcast